amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. From the birthplace of radio's greatest era, live from New York, it's Radio Night Live with Kevin McCullough. Wait, who? Kevin McCullough, let me start with you. Huh? The big dog, Kevin McCullough. And Kevin McCullough. Uh, no, who? Nationally syndicated radio host and author of No, He Can't. Who? Kevin McCullough? Kevin McCullough is a nationally syndicated radio host and author of No, He Can't. What? A Barack Obama's dismantling hope and change and CEO of Extreme Media. Oh. All right. Hey, gang. How are you? Welcome to Saturday. We've got a great show for you. And uh, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you here. Am I on? Am I on? Can't hear myself. Am I on? You're getting a thumb shown to me. I, I hope I'm on. Uh, anyway, it's uh, good to have you with us on a Saturday night. And we are uh, we, we do have a lot to get to in the next couple of hours. So I hope that you'll stick around. Uh, I'm officially dubbing this night. <clears throat> in fact, ask me what I'm going to dub the night, guys. Go ahead. Get- Thank you. I'm, I'm going to dub. I'm going to dub this night the Courageous Legacy Night because this weekend, this movie called Courageous uh, re-released called Religious Courageous Legacy, and uh, it's been ten years since it was released. And uh, the producers of it did a cool thing. They 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 remixed it. They remastered it. They released it in 4K. They added some new scenes. They've got a whole bunch of stuff that they are excited about. And one of those producers, Stephen Kendrick, is going to join us later this hour to tell us a little bit about uh, what happened. And they we've got a couple of songs from the soundtrack that we'll be enjoying tonight in the music spotlight. So we've got a lot to get to now. Since the big board is on the screen, and for those of you watching by way of Biz TV, welcome to you. Glad you're with us. We are also streaming tonight on the Radio Night Live uh, Ustream channel. Uh, we couldn't get it to Twitter for some reason. Uh, maybe maybe Twitter's coming after the, the, you know us again. Who knows? They're going to haunt me in my sleep till I die. Anyway, on the big board tonight. That is Stephen Kendrick all the way to the left of the uh, screen there. That is the rock band. Uh, uh, casting crowns uh next to him then you've got the uh former assistant secretary to the treasury uh dr monica crowley uh who is going to join us in the ladies lounge tonight first time in the ladies lounge in person we're excited about this this is going to be a great conversation and i'm looking forward to talking to her because she goes back i've known her since the clinton impeachment days but uh but she she served not only uh president nixon uh in the latter end of his life she was not in the administration, um, but she served him in the latter end of his life. And then uh, she was very prominent in talk radio, cable television, all that stuff during the impeachment era of, of uh, Bill Clinton. And then kind of hung around uh, and became part of the uh, Trump administration uh, in this uh, past presidency. So she's actually served two presidents, 
uh, and uh, and was a major commentator in the life of Bill Clinton when when his trials were going on. And it's interesting that we're going to talk to her tonight because we both have been watching this new show on FX now called uh, called Impeachment. It's from part of their true crime series. They did one on OJ. They did one on someone else. Uh, anyway, the, the Bill Clinton impeachment uh, saga is being discussed there week by week. And I have found it fascinating. My lovely bride, who's a decade younger than me, she all she asked me every week is, is this. Is, is that accurate? Did, did that really happen? Because I was on the air doing this right here uh, when when that when we were going through all of that. So it was really it was really kind of a rather amazing uh, um, uh, scenario to be thinking that now we're coming back and we're seeing the movie adaptations of real life. Uh, and, and man, has that series been interesting. The Linda Tripp, Monica Lewinsky, that whole uh, issue, all the people that were involved, what's happening there. Can't wait to talk to Monica about that as well. Um, plus, uh, we have got a couple. Uh, well, we've got another music artist. Mark Harris is going to be with us in the second hour. He had a song on the Courageous uh, sound, uh, soundtrack as well, uh, and I think you'll enjoy that. Mark Harris, formerly of the pop vocal group called For Him. Uh, it was a four-part harmony group back in the day, and uh, he's not been with them for a while. Uh, it's a solo uh, song that he's got uh, going tonight. So having said that, we have the opportunity here in the first part of the first hour on Radio Night Live to do something we haven't done in a while, and that is we can take some phone calls. And I've got a couple of things that you may want to weigh in on if you'd like. Uh, um, uh, 888-340-3373 is the number. Uh, I think that's the number. Yes. 888-340-3373 and hit extension one uh, when you when you dial uh, in and that'll get you right through to Ivan who's manning the phones tonight and uh, you can get uh, on the air. But I want to talk to you about something that happened in Congress just this last week. When, and everything in Washington right now is centered around the spending packages. Uh, uh, are we going to spend three and a half trillion dollars uh, on things that are basically, in essence, the Green New Deal? Uh, you know, uh, creating a, a uh, natural gas powered bus slash ship that will fly you to Hawaii. Uh, weird stuff that you never even thought about needing that they say is going to save the planet and everything else. I'm not sure that any of it saves anything except uh, maybe a, a few people's reputation in the whole climate change debate. But in the process of all this, there's been a lot of examination of everything that Washington has been spending, at least by some. And one of them that got very excited about doing this uh, in close examination was one Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And uh, AOC, as she's uh, commonly referred to now, uh, you know, the leader of the squad, uh, which includes Ayanna Presley and Ilan Omar and uh, Rashida Tlaib. Uh, and of course, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is the uh, is the the ringleader in all of the um, all the mess there. Now, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez came out last week and she said uh, well in advance of the vote on the defense bill, which they ended up spending, I think it was uh, $768 billion uh, on our defense. I I'm okay with that. That's about what uh, President uh, Trump spent and I'm, I'm okay because we need to keep our planes good, especially after our disaster in Afghanistan. We, we need to upgrade our equipment. I'm, I'm good with I'm good with that spending. That's the the Constitution allows us to to spend money for our national defense. That should be one of the things that our government is actually involved in. 
is our defending ourselves. Um, but Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, when it came to uh, breaking down the budget, wanted to know why there was this money in there that actually would be given to Israel to help solidify their Iron Dome operations. Do you know what the Iron Dome is? Guys, you guys know what the Iron Dome is? The Iron Dome is, for lack of a better term, a force field above Israel that keeps all the bad rockets away. It's not really a force field, but it acts like that. So when Hamas sitting over there, uh, you know, in the West Bank decides to shoot a cacophony of missiles from an elementary school, for example, and they just they just fire them and they're all headed to Tel Aviv or Jerusalem, the Iron Dome uh, is is watching and then they can track and blow those missiles up long before they get to uh, peopled areas um, in the land of Israel. It's actually a rather novel concept. It's 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 a very protective strategy and very defensive strategy and very effective strategy. Um, there have literally been millions of Israelis lives saved because when Hamas fires missiles, they don't know where they're sending them. They, they kind of think, oh, if I shoot, if I uh, Ahmed say, if I shoot here and then kill Jews. And that's what they that's what they want to do. Well, so they uh, but they, they can't really predict that they're going to land where they think they're going to land. And oftentimes, uh, if you look at the trajectory of these things, they would have they would have killed many, many millions of innocent people. OK, so the Iron Dome, we helped Israel. Uh, come about with it uh, a while ago and we've been helping to fund some of the operation and the reason that we do that is because it keeps our enemies in the region occupied they're all fomenting uh, hate on israel they can't be fomenting hate on us israel's our strongest ally we want them to be strong they're the toughest uh, kids on the block over there let's make sure that in their democracy they have the ability to defend themselves that's that's the rationale and an iron dome technology is an entirely defensive technology there's no missiles coming out of the Iron Dome going into the Hamas school that shot the missiles. They have to go fly uh, actual uh, flight missions to get the bad guys after they shoot the missiles. And they're pretty good at that, by the way. Um, but Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez went on this uh, campaign for like the last couple of weeks. Defund the Iron Dome. Defund the Iron Dome. And she got all the squad members chanting with her, defund the Iron Dome. Rashida Tlaib, defund the Iron Dome. She has a deeper voice than uh, James Earl Jones. Anyway, so they were they were all uh, in favor of this. And so she was rallying the troops to her side. She was going to lead the charge on Capitol Hill to defund the Iron Dome and make sure that those crazy Israelis knew once and for all that they deserved to die at the hands of those Hamas missiles. So the vote comes down on Friday and there's 10 votes for the Iron Dome and one vote against and then there's 200 votes for the Iron Dome and three votes against and all of a sudden uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was facing a very difficult choice uh, she had gotten all the other squad members to vote against funding they were they were four of the five of the nine votes against it and she ended up voting present now, when she voted present, that's not the same as voting against. It's certainly not the same as voting for, but it's not the same as voting against. And then the most amazing thing of all happened, which I'll tell you on the other side of this break, because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez learned a very valuable lesson. We'll talk about it. And I'll take your calls. 888-340-337. It's Radio Night Live, live from New York. Coming right back. Don't go away. 
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Of all the boys. Of all the boys, boys. Of all the boys, boys, boys. Boys, 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 boys. Of all the boys. All right, uh, you see a light out of uh, the Times Square area in uh, New York City right now. And that is uh, a look at what's going on. Uh, we've looks like a pretty normal, busy autumn evening in the city, which is encouraging for those of us that are here and have been here for the last 18 months while everything's been a little bit, uh, you know, off its uh, kilter. We were talking before the break, 888-340-3373, if you want to jump in. We were talking before the break about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her drama over the Iron Dome because she campaigned for a couple of weeks. Everybody in the house, she was going to she was going to get them to vote to defund the Iron Dome. Uh, and then the votes started coming down on uh, Friday and she lost 420 to nine. Uh, and then she herself did not vote against the Iron Dome. She got her other squad partners to all vote against it. But Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez herself chickened out and she voted present. And then after she voted present, she steps over to the side and starts bawling. She starts crying, big crocodile tears. And there's somebody there from the Senate and they're, they're comforting her and they're patting her and they say, oh, it's OK. And then but I, I mean, I would have thought if you believed so strongly that you should vote against the funding for the Iron Dome, that you yourself would have actually voted in that fashion. But then I started thinking about this and I thought, you know what, this makes a little bit of sense because she's been talking about uh, primarying. Um, uh, Chuck Schumer, who is the senior senator from New York State, uh, who is the majority leader in the Senate right now, uh, because they have the tie vote breaking or the, the tie breaking vote in uh, Kamala Harris as VP if they go to a 50 50 vote. So having said all that, I suddenly realized, wait a minute. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did not think this through very well, because if she's going to primary. Uh, Chuck Schumer, that means she's going to have to go appeal to uh, Jewish votes in New York State. And if if Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez uh, has to look Jewish people in the face and say, well, I voted to take your defensive uh, mechanism away, then that's not going to settle very well with them. So she actually had to chicken out of her own campaign to defund but i want you to understand something very clearly what her what her advocacy actually was asking people to do again the iron dome is a defensive weapon it's not an offensive weapon it only shoots down missiles that are being shot at innocent civilians in israel and she wants the iron dome to be defunded 
Just like she wants the police in her own city to be defunded. Just like she wants the uh, police in Washington, D.C. to be defunded. Just like she wants police in all of the major cities across America to be defunded. And what does it mean when you say, I want to defund the police, or in this case, the Iron Dome for the state of Israel? It means that what you actually want to have happen is for innocent people to die. And this, this bothered her so badly that they couldn't take the money away that she actually cried over it. And not just, you know, like a, a little weepy tear where she went back to her desk and just kind of like politely brushed the single tear away. No, she makes a big fat freaking deal about it. She's standing there with the big face mask for one thing. I don't know why she's wearing the big face diaper, but she's got that going on and she's got her big glasses and she has she has her her tissue, her big white tissue makes her hand look tiny and she's she's wiping her tears and she's on the Senate and she's on the House floor and this is where the C-SPAN camera is is shooting. In fact, there's a wide shot of this shot, Nick. Uh, go to that. See, this is that's the C-PAN camera view, the C-SPAN camera view right there. And the next guy's up casting his vote. She's already voted. She's still standing in the frame. Oh, big cry, big alligator tears. Oh, so sad. So why did she do all of this? Well, she doesn't like Israel. Like the other anti-Semites on the squad, Rashida Talib and Elon Omar, they've all voted on the side of the terrorists. They always, they always take the side of the terrorists. They're in favor of the Islamic radicals getting everything that they want and Israel not getting anything. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez now can say, well, I never voted to defund the uh, Iron Dome. Oh, yeah, I, I advocated for it. I made the whole campaign. I was going to flip the whole vote for 120 to 9. Uh, but I, 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 I didn't vote in favor of it. Then she gets called out by a lot of people for the big crocodile tears. And she actually wrote a letter. In fact, we have a piece of it here. She says, um, yes, I wept at an institution choosing a path of maximum volatility and minimum consideration for its own political convenience. Well, what does that mean? She wept at the institution, the House of Representatives, choosing a path of maximum volatility? How, it is, how is it a volatile thing for Israel to have the right to not let terrorists bomb it to death? How is that being volatile in our House of Representatives? They're our ally. They're our best ally on planet Earth. They come to our aid when we're in the Middle East faster than anything. You know what else they do? They also send humanitarian aid to every Muslim country that ever experiences a disaster. They're one of the first people that sent humanitarian aid to Haiti after they had the, the, the earthquake and the hurricanes there. They, they sent uh, disaster aid all the way over to the South Pacific, which is like the other direction from where they are. They're, they're, they're this wonderful little country that always gives and helps and uh, just, just helps in any way that they can. They do their mitzvahs. And, and, and this, is, this is how they get repaid by the anti-Semites in Congress. Go back to the quote for a second. She, she wept. She was weeping. Big crocodile tears. At the House of Representatives, choosing this path of what she called maximum volatility and minimum consideration. Now, I don't know what there was to consider. We've funded the Iron Dome for years. We helped them build it. We, we helped them put the technology together to make it work. 
and it took Israeli ingenuity and it took American ingenuity. But when we figured it out, we 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 were all happy because Israel was finally going to be protected. And she said it did it for its own political convenience. And because the House would have acted in its own uh, uh, own political convenience, its own interest. I mean, the House of Representatives, if, if it is supposed to be anything, it is supposed to be a place where the people that go there are doing the work of the people that sent them there. The interest of the American people is the primary overriding concern. At least it should be about what those congressmen uh, and congresswomen are doing. That's why they get elected so that they can go do what's in the interest of the American people. They're not sent there to be the pope. They're not sent there to be some great uh, humanitarian that's looking at the whole world uh, affairs and saying, well, this is unjust. They're not the UN. We're, they're not supposed to be uh, having some sort of paying of conscience about what's going on in, in other places. They're supposed to look out for the taxpayers that they represent. That's how the Congress works. And Congress thought, you know, it's not wise to leave our most prized ally completely vulnerable. And so they voted to refund again the Iron Dome. And the lady who has never really had a very difficult day uh, in public office since she swept into Congress a few years ago, uh, who wants to run as the next senior senator of uh, New York. She had to cough up some alligator tears because why? Because our friends, the Israelis, might just be able to fend themselves a little bit longer. Perish the thought. Kevin McCullough, phone lines are open. All right, Kevin, for being here. I uh, thought that the... Uh, the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, disaster with the Iron Dome was was uh, funky. Um, you, you I, I, I hesitate to even bring this up, but I feel like I have to. Uh, Anderson Cooper went on um, the Late Show with Stephen Colbert this week and actually admitted that as a uh, professional gay man, uh, he had once had his own mother offer to serve as a surrogate for the child that he and his husband uh, were wanting to have. Um, and I was thinking about that, that story as another couple of things came to my attention over the, to the week. And I thought, you know, it's, we just live in a complete upside down. Uh, when, when you throw out the standards of what is normal and what is healthy and what is God given, uh, you start to run into all kinds of eventual imaginative universes that look so absurd on their face. And yet the people that exist in them, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, really believe that it's, it's a good thing to let Israelis get killed by missiles. Uh, Anderson Cooper's mom, Gloria Vanderbilt, honestly thought, and she badgered him about it multiple times honestly thought she would be a great surrogate host for his uh, child and and now in the same story that they had posted about the um, the, the mother offering that which is very weird um, they admitted that now Anderson Cooper and his husband were uh, co-parenting this child because they had split 
the, the other guy that was in Anderson Cooper's life was never was never uh, a parent to that child. There's no DNA of his in there. There was never a bond. There was never any of that stuff. Oh, Kev, what about adoptions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But you have to go to such extravagant lengths to say that, first of all, they were married, and now they're divorced, and now in order to do what's best for the child, they're co-parenting this kid that is really being shortchanged on every level because it doesn't have a mom. And all the social data that says you want to you want to you want to do what's best for kids, give them a mother and a father. Speaking of fathers, that is the theme of the of the movie Courageous, which got released 10 years ago this fall, and it is now back out in theaters. And we have a sneak peek coming up. Stephen Kendrick's going to be with us, one of the executive producers. But I thought it'd be fun to give, give you a little uh, snapshot. Here's here's the trailer for Courageous Legacy. Father, just step up and answer the call. So where are you, courage? Cheers, us. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. Deputy Thompson has now survived his rookie. You gonna figure out real quick how much I know. Miss Emily's piano recital. Can I talk to you? I suggest that you spend a little more time with him. All he wants to do is play video games and go run for five months. What are you doing home? They let me go. You really feel like you messed up your childhood and dad more than you. Adam, I need you to come with me right now. You do heal, but you're never there. I want to know what God expects of me. I've been doing about half of what you've been doing as a dad. Being too hard on yourself. Revolution. Yeah. You be good enough, father. I want to be good enough, father. Nice ideas too. I'm sure I started well. I want to finish well. Do this? Then we're right. Some just need ceremony. Like a rich man. As your father, I want the very best for you. I promise to take care of you. So, where are you, men of courage? Believe every father to step up and answer the call. And say, I will. I will. All right, it's in theaters this weekend, and uh, coming up next, uh, we will visit one-on-one uh, -on -one with Stephen Kendrick, one of the co-producers of the film, and yet to come, casting crowns with the soundtrack titles cut uh, to Courageous Legacy. Big hour, uh, big hour one yet to finish, and a huge hour number two, all straight ahead for Radio Night Live. Don't go away. And now, back to Radio 
Radio Night Live. Once again, Kevin McCullough. Radio Night Live, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. And before we get to the uh, musical selection, musical guest tonight, which uh, we're going to the archives, we've got uh, Casting Crowns and Marcus that are going to be with us in our uh, musical selections tonight because they were part of a film project a decade ago called Courageous that has made its comeback just this weekend, opening this weekend in theaters nationwide, kind of under a new label called Courageous Legacy. And here by, uh, to join me to discuss this is one of the, uh, the Kendrick brothers whose brainchild this uh, movie was. And Stephen Kendrick uh, rejoins us. He's been with us before. And his brother Alex Kors, um, both uh, very well known now for the uh, movies that have done a long series of them. But Stephen, I will never forget you guys uh, flew us all down to a humid, uh, mosquito-infested Georgia afternoon <laughs> to, to be on the set while courageous shot. And I remember thinking, man, I have appreciation for those actors and, and all the guys that had out working the grips and stuff that day. You took us back inside and you some clips of the stuff in K, which was brand new time um and it was really cool and uh, and i was i was nice and cool drinking iced tea i felt bad when we had to go back out there but looking back 10 years later um what does your heart say about what this film has done for people specifically for men uh here sure. in america well over the last 10 years it has blown our minds at the international impact that courageous has had and uh, we've been contacted from Russia, from uh, Ecuador, from Panama, from the Philippines, uh, from Africa, of men watch movie, and they're watching dads step up first time and be courageous. They're providing for their families, they're protecting them. But basically, the first for the movie is they're providing gangs and Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, so they're dealing with the result of fatherlessness. But because of their busyness at work, they are neglecting their own kids at home. So as they begin to go through the process of realizing I am significantly impact impacting my children, you see these begin to step up, actually make a resolution and commitment to be provided for their wives and to step up and you see how that plays out the rest of the movie each of their lives differently so uh we this movie because our dad was the big chain breaker in our home uh his father and grandfather were alcoholic unfaithful you know not involved emotionally as much in their kids lives and it was dad's resolution commitment that really rocked our family tree and so it's been exciting to see that this movie 
movie, which is full of action and humor and emotion, even though it's family friendly right. and you can take your kids to go see it, uh, that this movie is rocking men at the core. And uh, so we're, we're, we're thinking we got a whole new generation of men who've not seen it. So we thought, what if we went back and we remastered, recolored, re-edited the movie, added new scenes in and then shot a new ending as to where they're going to be 10 years later? Well, and uh, I don't want to give everything away, but uh, Stephen just did some of it. Uh, there's lots of new content here. So if you saw it 10 years ago and you think you know the whole story, you might not. So That's right. go see it anyway. Stephen, let me ask you about this. Um, I've, I've gotten in trouble on the air for saying that um, men and women are equal but different. Yes. Uh, um, this film attacked that line of thinking very directly. And I'm curious in the 10 years since, because you've had Me Too and you've had a whole bunch of gender confusion with the sure. confusion about trans students on school campuses and all the rest. Do you think there will be additional insights into into people's response to them that maybe weren't there a decade ago? Uh, I think so. I, I think, uh, you know, you've got all the, the police riots and things because this movie shows police officers, not just on the job, but at home with their families. They're real people, you know, <laughs> and you know what? They're they're wanting to serve and protect our communities. And that is a vital position. Thank God for first responders. You know, people can argue about, hey, we don't need police until somebody's trying to break into their house and kill them. You know, <laughs> and uh, people can say, you know, we don't need you know, we don't need firefighters. So until their house is burning down. And so we honor first responders in this movie. We actually went down and interviewed and spent time with our local sheriff, with the deputies to find out what their lives are like. 90% of police officers go through divorce. They're seeing so much junk at work and they are going through their own smaller version of PTSD uh, and they're bringing that home and they need our encouragement and our support. Yes, they're imperfect. Are there racist police officers out there? There's racist every job you know that's out there. That's not the issue. And so, but this movie really isn't about cops. It's so much more about fatherhood. Yeah. And from a secular perspective, you just look at the stats. What is the common denominator of kids that drop out of school, teenage pregnancy, kids that are on drugs, kids that are suicidal, uh, you know, serial killers and people that are in prison. The one common denominator is not race. It's not socioeconomic background. It's not really education. It's fatherlessness. Fatherlessness is the key issue that when dads abandon their families, they're like the bus driver jumping off the bus going down the road in this statistic. Statistics show us that families oftentimes end up in a ditch. Now, thank God for any moms or any woman that reaches over, grabs the steering wheel, and is saving her family in that situation. But moms can't be the right wing and the left wing on the airplane. They can't be the right eye and the left eye. You know, moms are amazing at being moms, and thank God for them. But just like two wings on an airplane, men and women are different, and they're complementary, and they should be celebrating those differences and supporting one another 100%. And I have six kids at home. Man, I thank God for all the gaps that my wife fills in my life. Right? And she thanks God for the gaps I fill in her life you know so courageous celebrates that this is not really a movie about gender as it is let's be honest about where we are as a, as a society and we've got a new generation of young men i mean i just left the theater a few minutes ago there were 200 students from a low private school that nice. just saw courageous legacy and they were two three and four years of age when the movie came out originally and as they were walking 
hang out. They live in the town where we made the movie. They know the people that were in the movie. And when I asked them, is this the first time you've seen it? So many of them were like, I've never seen that movie before. Man, that rocked me. And I was cheering. I was laughing. I was crying. Mm. This is so good, you know. So we need to show a courageous, responsible, loving example that we're not just telling guys, hey, go be good dads for your kids' lives. Let's show them what it looks like. And that's what Grace does. We we appreciate, Stephen, your faithfulness in trying to get positive messages through film into the subculture psyche, as is so hard to do. But you and Alex have been doing it faithfully for a long time. And we'll have you back the next time you've got a new one. Yeah. Kevin, thank you so much. It's always good to talk to you. You got it. Kevin McCullough, coming right back. Don't go away. Welcome back to Radio Night Live. Ladies and gentlemen, from the soundtrack of Courageous, here's Casting Crowns. We will make to be courageous. We will make a little way. We could be the generation. If I fix the chase, we will make be Courageous, 
From the soundtrack to the movie Courageous Legacy, that is uh, Courageous by Casting Crowns and... Uh of radio's greatest era, live from New York, it's Radio Night Live with Kevin McCullough. Wait, who? Kevin McCullough, let me start with you. Huh? The big dog, Kevin McCullough. Who? Kevin McCullough. Uh, no. Who? Nationally syndicated radio host and author of No, He Can't. Who? Kevin McCullough? Kevin McCullough is a nationally syndicated radio host and author of No, He Can't. What? And CEO of Extreme Media. Oh. All right, welcome to hour number two of Radio Night Live, where, you know, for the last number of years, I've made the conscious decision, and it had nothing to do with Me Too or any of this other stuff that's come along. I said a long time ago, the ladies have stuff to say, and more of them need to be heard. So we started the Ladies' Lounge here at Radio Night Live, and uh, we have had literally amazing people come through. The great Leslie Stahl of 60 Minutes, uh, kind of the, the highlight of, of one of the years that we had, and she talked all about being a grandmother and reporting for C. CBS News back when she was just a, a reporter breaking into the industry, they actually paired her with with Walter Cronkite as her mentor. I mean, it's, it's just it's, so we've had some cool conversations. But tonight, I'm excited because I get to have someone on who I've known since the days, I believe, of the Clinton impeachment. And yet we've never had her on the show and she's done my daily show a bunch, but we've not uh, we've not had a chance to uh, talk in this forum. The the great Dr. Monica Crowley, former uh, assistant secretary of the Treasury with uh, Secretary Mnuchin in the Trump administration. And before that, a talk radio legend in her own right. Monica, it's good to have you. Welcome aboard. Well, thank you so much. It's so great to be here, Kevin. And thank you for that phenomenal intro. I think I've got to take you with me wherever I go from now on. Well, okay. I'll be your pitch man. Um, <laughs> hey, before we get into the, uh, the, the top news stories of the day, um, you've lived one of the most extraordinary lives because you've worked at government at kind of the highest levels. You've you've been in New York City when talk radio came of age, kind of, so to speak, and really expanded and blew out. I mean, it exploded uh, right around the time that you were uh, doing that on a regular basis. And y you have an immense brain that uh, has the ability to offer this insight on all kinds of subject matter. I'm just curious, when you were a little girl and i'm assuming at some point in time playing with your dolls or your barbies or something did you ever sit and go yeah someday i'm gonna do that that and that <laughs> well actually sort of kevin when i was growing up i was a little girl in new jersey and they always say that you can take the girl out of jersey but you can't take the jersey out of the girl my wife says that all the time actually exactly so i think that's where i get my fight and my my hard scrabble kind of attitude about saving america the country i love so much but actually as a little girl i kind of thought i'd be the first female president of the united states <laughs> so that dream lives by the way if it had um, been you and Instead of Hillary, I'd have voted.
voted for you. I'm I just see. saying. See, well, if I decide to run in the future, I know I can count on you. So I got one press vote secretary right mom. here. I can do the pitch. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Um, and you know what? I ended up uh, working for two American presidents. I worked with former President Richard Nixon during the last years of his life. And I've worked for President Trump at the Treasury Department in the Trump administration. And I like to joke, Kevin, that Monica only seeks out the most controversial American presidents. <laughs> no boring presidents for Monica. No Grover Cleveland's or William Howard Taft's. Only the most controversial ones. Um, and there's something about the underdog in Richard Nixon and in Donald Trump that has really appealed to me and, and the fact that they so love this country and wanted to serve it with the purest reasons and yet they both had the same enemies and both of them gave those enemies the sword. So there, there's, there are a lot of differences between Nixon and Trump, but there are some significant similarities as well. Well, and let me just say, um, and, and um, I know that you know Hugh Hewitt, um, who worked also with the Nixon Foundation uh, down the stretch of President Nixon's life. I think Nixon will go down as one of the most fundamentally misunderstood presidents forever, simply because of the way the media narrative has been allowed to, to write who he was. Since you do know that so well, talk to me about what Americans don't know about Richard Nixon that probably isn't even being taught in schools or anything else that, that sheds some light in that vein. Well, I came to him uh, during the last four years of his life. So I was not born when he was elected. I, I served with him uh, during the last years of his life when he was going to be as complete a person as he would ever be. And we had hours, Kevin, of conversation every day over the course of those four years. And I kept a journal every night in which I reconstructed every single conversation I ever had with Richard Nixon. So when he passed away, I had lunch with William Sapphire, who was writing for the New York Times at the time, but had been a Nixon speechwriter. And I sort of casually mentioned that I had stacks of journals containing every conversation I ever had with this most controversial president of the 20th century. And Sapphire sort of looked at me and he put down his soup spoon and he looked at me and he said, well, I know what you're going to do next, kid. You're going to write a book because you need to you need to let future generations know the Richard Nixon that you came to know. And I, I really took that to heart and I ended up writing two books about my experiences with him. Um, and they're, they're still available on Amazon if you want to go get them. I'm really, really proud of them. Because to your question, Kevin, what I wanted to let the rest of the world and those future generations know is that Richard Nixon was a three-dimensional human being, right. not a one-dimensional caricature that the left and the press spent decades making him out to be. He was none of those things. Richard Nixon was brilliant. He was a classical intellectual, which he probably would have thought that description because he considered intellectuals to be on the left and by and large they were and they are. But Nixon truly was a real intellectual. Um, he was also extremely generous. He was kind. He had a, a real soft side to him. He was very funny, very self-effacing, and just a, an incredibly warm person. So when he passed away, it was devastating to me because number one, I was so young. Um, number two, it was my first 
job. But Richard Nixon meant so much to me because he was a mentor. He was my boss, but he was also something of a grandfather figure to me. So I really feel like the world lost a huge towering figure when he passed away. So did the country. And of course, so did I. We're speaking with Dr. Monica Crowley, uh, who is, uh, by every um, sense in her own right, uh, a top-level intellectual and somebody who has uh, commented into the the news story and cycles. Um, let's go back to your childhood for a little bit. Um, now, I, I've never known the answer to this. Are do you have? Are you twins, or did you just simply have another sister? But I know that you were close to your sister, and I. I I, I, I'm unclear on that part of your life. I am close to my sister. I just talked to her right before joining you. Uh, she is two years younger than I am. Two so years we're younger. not okay. twins, but we but do very look close. alike. Yeah. <laughs> and what was it like? Uh, because she married into the, uh, the, the talk media experience as well. And she married a guy that a lot of people would have said, uh, how does Monica gel with uh, with Alan Combs? Because remember, going all the way back to impeachment, it was Hannity and Combs every night, you know, hammering away at uh, Bill Clinton yep. on the TV screen. Yep. Well, Alan Combs was a lovely, lovely man. His politics were totally misguided, and I used to tell him that all the time. <laughs> but he was such a good and decent man, and I know you and I have talked about him as well. He was a rare breed. He was a classical liberal. He was not a Marxist. He was not a revolutionary like we currently see in the Democratic Party. He was a classical progressive, but also um, such a fundamentally decent human being that every debate he would have with me or with Hannity or with anybody who appeared with him on television or radio. It was always a civilized conversation. That's now a lost art. Um, but I feel so blessed to have known him. I actually introduced him to my sister. Um, he had told me at Fox one day that he was out of a relationship and looking for a new one. And I said, do I have a girl for you? <laughs> and uh, they got along immediately and they got married and they had a beautiful marriage. And it was such a blessing and such a loss when he passed away. Yeah. Well, the whole radio industry felt it because uh, not a lot of uh, liberals made it in talk radio. And in order to do so, you had to largely appeal to a center-right audience because that's the people that listen to talk radio. Um, and yet he had found a way to have those opposing viewpoints and have civil conversation and all of that. And I would also say this, extremely funny. Like, it, yes. even if you were on with him, him and you were you know at loggerheads he'd always end with a quip that would leave you kind of grinning at the end of the night and it was it well, was just his own way of of saying i'm not going to take myself too seriously i think the whole world would be better if we didn't all take ourselves so seriously uh, and i appreciated that about him yes and in fact most people don't know this because they know him as a political commentator but he actually started his career as a stand-up comedian right. came up in new york with like um robert Klein and that sort of generation of stand-up comics and he was a very funny man my uh, morning show host here in new york joe piscopo talks about those days because i think they worked a lot of the same uh clubs here in manhattan all right we're speaking with dr monica crowley and
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now, from New York, back to Radio Night Live. Here's Kevin McCullough. All right, we're speaking with Dr. Monica Crowley, and uh, Dr. Crowley, you have um, you have watched the media landscape uh, kind of change over the course of the last uh, many years, and I have always pointed to the election of Bill Clinton and kind of the emergence of 24-hour news channels as kind of the place where we the people began to get a lot more control over our own selection of what we wanted by way of news coverage and the ability to be more self-determinative and at the same time as that was happening you had uh, the Drudge Report and alternative online media that began to explode as well and I'm curious if you could walk me through because we were talking about this new show impeachment that uh, FX now has out and we're hooked in our household my bride and I are like oh is new episode out yet and we're watching it and it's it's weird for me because i was on the air uh on radio talking about these things as these events happened and of course the one thing my bride wants to know is how accurate is it um but go back to that period of your life and talk to me about what it was like to be part of the emerging kind of scene where media really did it took a, a complete transformation absolutely and and it was in many ways a real hinge moment uh, for media and mass media, Kevin. So you had the advent of Fox News in 1996, which gave voice to the forgotten men and women um, that became, they, they were Reagan Democrats and Reagan independents and Reagan Republicans that then went on to become Trump Democrats, Trump independents, Trump right. Republicans. But those of us who simply were not having our views reflected or at least represented in the mainstream press which has always been incredibly liberal. In the Trump era, I think it brought it up to a whole new level of intensity and activism, um, but it had always been on the left. So you had the advent of Fox in 1996, and I was actually on the air day one on Fox News. It was October of 96. Which show? Um, I can't remember. It was sometime during the day. It was a daytime okay. programming show, and every segment was like 20 minutes because they had no advertising. Right. So you had to fill all this time. Um, but it, it sort of, it was a forerunner to the social media era in which we are now, which is everything is on hyperspeed. But it was really wonderful to see the left wing mainstream media lose its lock, its monopoly on information and how it was delivered to the American people. So you had the, the advent of the Internet plus Fox News, and it gave rise to all of these other uh, possibilities, the the 
internet and outlets on the internet and then of course social media but being there you know being at fox remember fox launched in 1996 and again i was there from day one and then the lewinsky scandal hit two years later it was just two years into fox news and i'll never forget when roger ailes was hiring me about six months before they launched fox he said to me, you know, Monica, Rupert Murdoch gave me a check for $1 billion to launch a competitor to CNN. And he said, I have no idea if this is going to work or if it's not going to work, but we're going to try it out. You want to be part of the team? I said, absolutely. I had no agent, no lawyers signed on the line <laughs> and because I still believed in the project and I still believed in what they wanted to do. So you have the, the Lewinsky scandal. And I remember being at Fox, literally, Kevin, morning, noon and night. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I'd be on Fox and Friends at like 6 a.m., then stay there all day long watching the, the proceedings, watching the scandal unfold, commenting on it on the air, and then being there until like midnight and going home and sleeping in my makeup because I had to be back on the air at 6 o'clock in the morning. So it, it was an incredible time. It put Fox on the map. It put the Drudge Report and other conservative outlets on the map because they were covering it when other more main stream outlets didn't want to do it and then of course a couple of years later you had 9-11 um, which then catapulted fox news into the number one position yeah no 9-11 certainly was another step forward uh, for for them specifically you know the interesting thing that i remember about the uh, early days of the 24-hour news cycle is that cnn had been doing it for a little while um but they had not completely sold out their entire lineup um you may remember a young kid named Tucker Carlson mm -hmm. uh, co-hosted a thing called Crossfire. It was the it was the pre-runner to Hannity and Combs. And there's this little bow tie conservative, you know, whippersnapper uh, talking about conservative ideas. I remember over on MSNBC, I think it was Laura Ingram that had a, a, a late morning show. She is like at nine or ten a.m. Uh, Central Time is where I was living at the time. But I remember thinking, huh, like this is kind of interesting that there's these conservatives across, and it wasn't. It wasn't even three years, and all of them had been moved off of those other airwaves, and really Fox became the only place that you could get any right of center. And it wasn't that they were doing all right of center, and a lot of people don't don't remember this. Uh, CNN's idea of fairness was one conservative in, in four boxes of, of liberals. Uh, Fox thought, ah, one and one. One and one's fair enough. And what they ended up doing was showing the world that when you had fair and equal time for both sides to be represented, uh, conservative ideas kind of won the day. Yeah, you know, I was there during that period at MSNBC. So I left Fox in the mid-2000s and I went over to MSNBC because they had offered me uh, actually two live hours every single day. I anchored noon to one with Ron Reagan Jr. And then oh, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, and I remember being there and Joe Scarborough and Tucker Carlson were at NBC, MSNBC at the same time. So there were some conservative or establishment Republican figures on right. the air there. And actually, Rachel Maddow and I kind of came up together.
I mean, we used to be on the show together and debating, and it was always respectful and civilized and an intelligent conversation. And then sort of toward the late 2000s, MSNBC and the parent NBC Universal made a decision to take the, the network to the far left and have no representative yeah. voices. So I left and I went back to Fox at that point. So we, we have really, and I, I don't think it's a very healthy development for the country where you have, it's almost like niche media where you go to hear your voice represented and reflected back to you. So, you know, you're not crazy for thinking how you do, but it's, it's so atomized now right. that it, there's no real crossover. And then the, the polarization of our politics and our culture, it, it's all of a piece, Kevin. I remember Kellyanne Conway telling me we were at a, an event together in your home state of New Jersey. This was in the Romney cycle. And she said, we were talking about polling numbers. And of course, Kellyanne's a great pollster and knows her stuff inside out. And I said, what do you think of these polls that show Romney uh, pulling ahead? She said, you got you to you gotta turn the channel off and, and, and get outside the uh, the bubble a little bit. She said, he's not going to win. And she was and she was right. And it really wasn't even close. I mean, Obama and, and Romney was not a more com one of the more competitive presidential races. Well, uh, Monica Crowley is who we're speaking with. And Monica, it's just a joy to have you here. Let me ask you a little bit about the state that we find ourselves in now. Um, go back to the election of 2020 uh, and, and fill in the blank on anything you want to. But I really felt like that in terms of historical markers that I was watching for in terms of wanting to see out of an incumbent, I thought that Donald Trump checked the box on all of them. I thought that he had a raging economy that was just lighting up the world, people making more money, more jobs, more people employed. I thought that he was doing his very best uh, with Operation Warp Speed to get uh, cures for COVID-19 coming along. I thought that he had kept America safe and kept our military safe. We hadn't lost uh, a single uh, a soldier in uh, Afghanistan in more than a year when the election was, was, was coming around. Around. And in all and now back to Radio Night Live. Here's Kevin McCullough. Uh, it is a dumpster fire, uh, no matter what topic you pick. Uh, foreign policy, uh, national security. Uh, immigration, economy, uh, I don't see anything that's working. Um, let me address the issue of vote fraud for a second because the, the, the establishment wants to move beyond that conversation and I myself don't really want to rehash the the issue especially i don't want trump rehashing it if he decides to run again because i really do think that he has so much more to offer by saying what he's going to be for and how he's going to fix things that to rehash some of that but i do want the historical record to be set straight and i was just speaking with peter navarro yesterday who authored three reports for the administration that detailed the immense amount of voter irregularities across the board. Now, since the election has occurred, uh, Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona, Pennsylvania, a number of others have taken certain certain levels of action 
I don't live in any of those places, so I don't know if any of them are going to be thorough enough to satisfy what I would be looking for if I was a disaffected voter that felt like my state got stolen. But what is your general sense about the push and the anger on the right to get the voting systems straightened out before 2022 comes along? Do you sense that there's a burning in the belly and they're getting it done or that they need to do more? Well, if you're depending on establishment Republicans, particularly in the swing states, I I don't have much confidence that they are going to get this straightened out before next year and 2024. We do have activity on the ground in these states, as you just pointed out, which is promising because at least they are passing some election reforms which are absolutely necessary. Um, Look, you cannot worry about 2022 or 2024 until you fix 2020. So in that regard, President Trump is exactly right. I can't say from a human standpoint that I blame him for continuing to focus on 2020 because he did so much over the course of these four years to get this country back on its feet and back on the right track. He was doing everything right, which was remarkable for a guy who had never done any of this before. I mean, never. I mean, he was not a politician in, in even the mildest sense. And yet he showed that an outsider actually could do the presidency and perform very well with the right policies. So I, I can't say I blame him for focusing on it. I completely get it. He feels like he got screwed and he did. He did. Um, but going forward to next year and looking ahead to 24, um, uh, elections in America are always forward looking. They're always about what are you going to do for me rather than what did you do for me? And so uh, if Trump's message is only focused on 2020, it's not going to work for him. But if he sort of leavens that with looking ahead, saying, here are all of the things that I delivered and I delivered for you, the forgotten man and woman, and here's how I did it. Here's how I'm going to do it again. Then I think that that's a winning combination of the message. Look, you know, we talked about President Nixon early in this conversation, Kevin, and I just want to point out that Richard Nixon ran against JFK in 1960. That race was rife with election fraud, and it was orchestrated by the old man Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson in three jurisdictions. Cook County, Illinois. Illinois at that time was uh, like a purple state, right? Winnable for Republican. Uh, West Virginia and Texas. They orchestrated the voter fraud in those three states to tilt the election to JFK. On election night 1960, they approached Richard Nixon in his hotel suite with actual concrete evidence of the voter fraud. And and they encouraged Nixon not to concede and to contest the election. He didn't do it. And the reason he didn't do it was because he said the country is in the middle of a cold war with the Soviet Union and America needs a full-time president. Doesn't need this kind of protracted kind of contest. Um, But I will say, and that's a huge testament to Richard Nixon and the kind of character he was. But he regretted not fighting until the day he died. Hmm. And I, you know, I pass that message along to President Trump. Like, you do not want to regret not fighting until the day you die, right? So, I, how did I, he respond? What was his uh, response to that? Well, I sent it by email, so I didn't okay. get a response right away. Um, but he was knee deep in all of this. This this was a couple of days after the election, right? Um, I, 
I completely understand Trump pursuing all of this. I do. I get it. And was there voter fraud? I have absolutely no doubt. And as these states engage in their audits, we're going to see more and more uh, results coming forward. No doubt. But it's a forward-looking country, and elections are always about the future. So I'm hoping that he pairs it with at least, here's what I did the first time, here's what I'm going to do the second time, if he chooses to run. I don't know. It was. I just think it was a very interesting uh, period in history. So congrats on all that you've done, Monica. Great to have you with us. Please come back sometime, but thanks for being here. I would love to come back, and thanks so much for having me, Kevin. Thank you for being here, and uh, thanks to Dr. Monica Crowley for uh, joining us for an extended uh, chat in the uh, Ladies' Lounge tonight. Uh, we are on the cusp uh, here at Radio Night Live of a very exciting portion of our season. Uh, between now and the beginning of the new year, uh, we hope to complete the goal of something that we set out to do in February, which is to uh, free roughly 200 uh, uh, slaves from physical enslavement in northern Sudan. And uh, if you're just joining for the first time, you may be saying, well, Kev, I've never even heard that there is uh, slavery in the modern day world. And that'd be fair because our media doesn't cover it. So it's not something that you would uh, naturally just stumble across and know uh, from, uh, you know, just uh, living every day here uh, in America. But let me just quickly add that we have over the last number of years with the help of um, you, uh, the great listener of this show and the people that you've told and the people that uh, we've gotten involved uh, we have liberated more than 1,000 human beings out of actual human slavery uh, in that uh, course of time and I just want to say thank you for the faithfulness those of you that have said uh, this is this is abhorrent we can't continue to allow it to occur uh, on our watch uh, and this year is no different now how does it work this is the fun part so we have a partnership with a Christian Solidarity International. They are an international solidarity solidarity uh, program that go in and advocate on behalf of displaced and uh, persecuted peoples, specifically for people that are persecuted for uh, their faith or their religious belief. And in the issue of what is happening in Sudan, you had a civil war that uh, came to an end a number of years ago, about 15 years ago. Uh, but after it had been a very elongated war you had uh, the the whole world the whole globe trying to figure out how to solve the warring factions there in Sudan and they came to this uh, kind of idealistic conclusion let's create two countries out of the nation that was currently Sudan uh, so now you have Sudan and you have South Sudan and South Sudan is the world's youngest country only a handful of years old uh, and it is uh, a safe spot where the radical Islamists that populate northern Sudan uh, are not allowed to go. They're not allowed to raid villages. They're not allowed to take human captives. They're not allowed to wage war against the South. Peace was declared. The, the only problem is, is that no one advocated for the slaves that had already been taken in the years of warring previous to that. And the world governments that got involved in the uh, liberation project did not, uh, did not free those slaves. So since that time, actually since slightly before then, Christian Solidarity International, our partner in this ever, has been uh, advocating uh, for the release 
case of slaves, and they have been successful case by case basis for a number of years. Uh, the way it works is basically think of the Underground Railroad here in America in our Civil War era. We had people that literally went into areas, found slaves, and had escaped to to freedom. Now it's it's not quite as complicated there because here in Sudan. Uh, the the retrievers they're referred to are, are able to offer the slave owners the slave masters something that they desperately need uh, most of them are ranchers and in northern sudan you have really harsh weather that really decimates the cattle population they don't want their cattle to die if they get this one vaccine called Novidium, they're able to actually save the lives of uh, their cattle so they will trade a, a dose of vaccine for the life of one of their slaves it, it's it's in fact the cattle is more valuable to them than the slave so they're glad to make that trade uh, and once the retriever has secured the freedom uh, the slaves are, are able to be transported back to South Sudan when they get over the border they're able to go to a recovery camp uh, where they are able to recoup um, and and recover for the length of time that they need they get medical care they get um, some um, counseling and some mental health uh, examination they get to tell their story they get to explain where they've been and how old they were when they were taken and, and so forth and in the coming weeks we'll tell you some of their stories personally because they're very compelling all that to say that once that is completed once their time of recovery is done the uh, Christian Solidarity International workers are able to give them what's called a bag of hope and the bag of hope literally has everything that they need to start their lives all over again. It has uh, uh, fishing utensils. It has gardening implements. It has a year's worth of grain uh, that they can uh, exist off of. It has a year's worth of seed that they can prepare for the following year uh, for necessary food. And um, amongst other things that are in there, a Bible, blankets, tarps, things that they need to, to create a living structure etc that's all in that bag it's usually two or three bags of of things that they need uh, but that is theirs and for some that is the first gift that they've ever received in their life that they can remember uh, because many of these people have been treated very very badly most of them women uh, many of them the majority of them having been raped assaulted in, in multiple ways multiple times and so when they are given all of this to begin their new life they're really overcome with gratitude but there's one other thing that they get and it is a she-goat. The she-goat helps them uh, have milk. They're able to make cheese. They're able to do some uh, micro enterprise uh, for their family. They're able to uh, establish, uh, you know, the ability to breed other goats. And there's this uh, opportunity for them to sustain literally themselves and their children through these, these efforts. All of this happens. The entire liberation project from the Navidium vaccine to the bag of hope to the relocation to their where they were from in South Sudan, all it happens for a one time gift of two hundred and fifty dollars. And friends, when you give that tonight, you're liberating one of those women that has been grotesquely brutalized, raped, beaten, usually uh, mentally and uh, uh, verbally assaulted most of the days she's been in slavery. Uh, but you have no idea how much joy this brings them. Uh, and for that one gift of $250, that person is liberated for life. They are never in danger of being taken save again. And Christian Solidarity International is able to have access to them and to follow them. Friends, right now, 888-342-1010 is the number. We are about 53 uh, slaves away from being our goal for the year, which is about 192. So we're now in the end of the year.
here to say, I'll liberate one. And you can do months. You can do $25 a month for 10 months or $50 a month for five or $125 a month. Uh, our family, the McCullough family, we're going to liberate at least five this year. And I'm asking you to join us in this effort. 888 342 That's just a little update. We've already freed 135 this year. What an amazing thing. Thank you to to those of you that have had a hand in that but if you have not joined us please this is our christmas effort this year to free people for a brand new life for christmas 888-342-1010-888-342-1010 more music from our music spotlight when we come back stay with us Hard to believe that we're rounding out the uh, night of courageous legacy, but we are. So, ladies and gentlemen, from, from that uh, original music uh, soundtrack, once again, here's Mark Harris.
from the from the original movie soundtrack called Courageous. Uh, that's Mark Harris for, for him, and when we're together, rounding out Radio Night Live on this Natal Daughters Day. Appropriate scene to celebrate that as well. I'm Kel- okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.